morning, Bethel. Good to see y'all. Good to be with you this morning. As Josh said, my name is Danny Corson. I work with the 69 churches that comprise the St. Clair Baptist Association, and it's great to bring you greetings from the other 68 today. It's wonderful to think that every Sunday morning we have Southern Baptist gathering at 69 locations in St. Clair County proclaiming the gospel. And it's something that desperately needs to be done. We have more than 58,000 people in St. Clair County uh, that do not participate in any church. They do not claim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They do not claim any religious faith whatsoever. This is an area that used to be called the Bible Belt. And we have more people who do not come to church, who do not claim to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, than we do who do. So we have a challenge before us to spread the gospel right here in St. Clair County. I'm thankful for your pastor and his leadership here. Josh does a great job. He has a mission focus on reaching the lost. And I'm just proud to be here with you today to share a little bit from God's Word. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to John chapter 1. We're continuing the series on the Gospel of John, the Jesus story. And we're going to be looking today at John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. The message is entitled, Follow Me. Now, last week as Josh preached, in the previous verses, we saw John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was carrying on his ministry, preparing the way for Jesus. And John the Baptist, in the passage last week, identified Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So it was really the first public proclamation of who Jesus was John had a vision from God. God showed him who Jesus was. And John publicly identified him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So at that point, some people start to follow him. They want to know who this guy is. Where is he from? What's his story? And a couple of men went up to Jesus and said, Jesus, where are you staying? And his simple answer was, come and see. So he simply invited them to follow him to see where he was going. There was a guy there named Andrew who followed him. And after a very short period of time, Andrew was convinced that this was the Messiah who had been talked about. This was the Son of God. This was the King of Israel. And so rather than just follow him by himself, he went and found his brother Simon, which we know now as Peter. So Andrew invites Simon Peter to come and follow Jesus as well. That's the passage that you looked at last Sunday. Well, today we continue in verse 43 where it says, The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip and told him, Follow me. Follow me. The invitation that Jesus extends to anyone who wants to be a disciple. Follow me. The invitation Jesus extends to every person on the face of the earth. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter what you identify as your gender. It doesn't matter what race you're from, what country you're from. Jesus' invitation to come and follow him extends to every person who ever lived. Regardless of your sin, regardless of the problems in your life, regardless of how far you feel you may be from God, Jesus still reaches out and says, follow me. It says it was the next day, which tells us it was simply a continuation of what had happened on the previous day. The disciples are continuing to follow. They're continuing to want to hear more about Jesus and know who he is. But it's also important that it says the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He didn't decide the night before. He decided that day. And you know why? 
It's a very simple thing that we learn in the Lord's Prayer. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We need to go to God for guidance every single day. If you look back when the children of Israel were enslaved and then they were set free and they're wandering in the wilderness, God provided food for them in the form of manna. And how often did they have to go out to get the manna? Daily. We're supposed to go to God every day and let Him provide for us. And Jesus is the perfect example. Jesus didn't sit down and map out this long-range plan. He trusted God from day to day to tell Him what He wanted Him to do, where He wanted Him to go, and who He wanted Him to encounter on that specific day. So on that day, the Father told Jesus, Leave for Galilee. And so Jesus takes off for Galilee, but it says He found Philip... And told him, follow me. Now to say that he found Philip implies, first of all, that he was looking for Philip. He didn't just stumble across him. He was specifically looking for someone. He was looking for someone who had the faith to follow him. And he knew that it was going to be this person named Philip. Now how do we know that? Because Jesus knows everything about all of us. You know, I've said this many times when I preach, but there's a song we sing around Christmas about Santa Claus. It says he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. Actually, it's not Santa Claus. The lyrics apply to God. Because God sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows everything about every single one of us. And here's the beauty of that. Even though he knows everything about us, he still loves us. Even though he knows all the evil thoughts that we have and all the wrong things we've done in our lives and the bad choices we make, he still loves us, he still reaches out to us, and he still calls us to follow him. So Jesus found Philip. He was looking for him. And I think that brings a question to us. If you're already following Jesus, who are you searching for to also bring to Jesus? Because in the previous passage, we saw that Andrew went and brought his brother Peter. I remember growing up, we had a visitation program in our church called Operation Andrew. It was basically follow the pattern of Andrew. Go find a friend or a family member, somebody you already know, somebody you have a connection with, and invite them to come and follow Jesus. You know the main reason most people don't follow Jesus? It's very plain. They haven't been invited. Who's the last person you invited to follow Jesus? Who's the last person you reached out to and shared the gospel with? We have to go back to this early pattern. Jesus sought out men and said, follow me. Then when he calls Andrew, Andrew seeks out Peter and says, follow me. Then he calls out Philip and Philip goes and seeks Nathaniel and says, hey, you need to come see this guy. And that's where we go in the next verse. In John 1.44, it says, Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Bethsaida was a small town just outside of Galilee. It's very likely that all these guys knew each other. The first disciples to follow were all fishermen. Later, some others came on, but the first ones were all fishermen. It's very likely they knew each other. So when Jesus called one to follow, what's the best path to go after someone for Christ? Go to the people you already know. Go to your friends. Go to your family members. Go to your co-workers. And that's what we see happen here. 
In other words, as soon as you follow Christ, it doesn't say you've got to go into in-depth training and you've got to go to Bible school and theological school. It says as soon as you follow Christ, go get someone else and invite them to follow Christ as well. You know, at this point, these guys didn't know much about Christ. They hadn't heard all of his teachings. They hadn't seen his power. They were just intrigued by what they saw, so much so that they wanted to bring somebody else along. Have you ever discovered something and you found so much joy and excitement in it that you had to tell somebody else about it? And then you had to bring them and you had to show them and you had to share it with them? And then your joy was multiplied because now it wasn't just you experiencing that joy. It was being shared with someone else and it actually doubled your joy. Well, they started right there where they were. Jesus didn't immediately leave the area and go somewhere else. First, they reached out to others who were right there. In other words, Jesus fished for men right where he already was. And the lesson for us is we should fish for people right where Jesus has placed us. You know, mission trips are wonderful, and I think we should do mission trips. I love going to different places to share the gospel. But you know what I find out? When I've taken youth groups and church groups to Philadelphia and to Michigan and to New York and to different places on mission, once we get there and people start going out and sharing the gospel and doing activities, you know the same theme comes up every time? Why aren't we doing this at home? We could be doing the same thing at home. We could be doing backyard Bible clubs. We could be distributing food. We could be going out and sharing flowers. We could be doing this at home. And it gets people excited to realize We're doing something for God, and we don't actually have to go a long distance to do it. Sometimes God's not calling you to go to Africa. Sometimes he's calling you to go to your next-door neighbor. Sometimes he's calling you to go across the street and share the gospel with that person who's right there near you. It goes on in verse 45 and says, Philip found Nathanael. So just like Andrew went and found Simon Peter and brought him back, just like Jesus went and found Philip and asked him to follow, Philip went and found Nathaniel. Are you seeing a pattern here? Everybody goes and gets somebody else to go with them. But he found Nathaniel and told him, We found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets. Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. So Philip went searching for Nathaniel. Again, this wasn't an accident. He didn't just bump into him on the street. He said, I've got to share this good news of who I found and who I'm following with somebody else. And so he goes and finds Nathaniel. And he immediately starts telling him about Scripture. We found the one Moses wrote about in the law. And so did the prophets. Why would he do that? He would only share the scripture to convince Nathaniel because Nathaniel was familiar with the scripture and would see the connections. And so he starts sharing those connections and says, we found the one they talked about in the scripture, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Now, you know, when you share with someone, you'd like for them to have a positive reaction, wouldn't you? That's one of the things that keeps people from witnessing. We're afraid people are going to reject us. We're afraid they're going to be skeptical. Well, that's exactly what happened here. Philip told Nathaniel, we found this guy. He's here, just like the scripture said. And in verse 46, here is Nathaniel's response. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel asked him. Let's stop right there. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, as a student of scripture, Nathaniel knew that Nazareth wasn't mentioned anywhere by the prophets. It wasn't mentioned by Moses. 
They never said that the Son of God would come from Nazareth. They said the one sent from God would be born in Bethlehem. Now, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he's being raised in Nazareth. And Nathanael was from a town called Cana. Cana was four miles north of Nazareth. And so they knew the cities well. And you know, sometimes you have cities that are together and they have a good relationship and they work together well. And sometimes you have cities that are near each other or towns that have a rivalry. Well, for some reason, there was a sense of rivalry between Cana and Nazareth. Cana was considered a good place and Nazareth was considered the wrong side of the tracks. We don't know all the reasons for that, but it may have to do with some moral issues. It may have to do with some ethical decisions by the leadership there. And it probably had a lot to do with the fact that the Roman army had a garrison in Nazareth. And people didn't like what was going on there. But he listens to what Philip says and his response is, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now... If I was in Philip's place and somebody said something to me like that, I would probably immediately jump to the defensive and start defending Nazareth. Hey, it's not that bad of a place. Let's be open about this. Let's be rational. But that's not what Philip did. He met skepticism with the words, come and see. Don't believe me. Come and see it for yourself. We're not called to argue the gospel with people. We're called to share the gospel. Share the good news of Jesus. A lot of times people say, I don't want to witness because I'm just afraid they're going to ask questions I don't know how to answer. Or they're just going to reject me outright. But the response in all those situations is simply this. Come and see for yourself. I'm not here to argue with you. I'm not here to debate with you. I'm here to share Jesus with you. And I'm telling you, he's worth following. And if you don't believe me... Come and see for yourself. Now, it's interesting here. Jesus told the disciples, follow me. And these disciples immediately went out to somebody else and said, hey, come follow this guy. And when they asked where Jesus was going, he said, come and see. And when they were met with skepticism, what was their response? Come and see. It's not rocket science. It's simple things. Ask people to follow Jesus. Invite them to follow. And when they come up with all their reasons and they come up with all their rationalizations and their skepticism, simply say, come and see for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Experience Christ firsthand. And then after you've met him, after you've come to know him, you make a decision for yourself. But you can't make an informed decision unless you come and see for yourself. In verse 47 it says, Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now some people would look at this and say, Well, Jesus was just trying to butter him up. Here comes this guy. Jesus has never met him. And he goes, Man, I know you're a good guy. I know you're filled with truth. There's no deceit in you. But it was actually true. Nathaniel was a very devout man. Nathaniel was a man who studied the scriptures. Nathaniel was a man of faith. And Jesus knew that. Why? Because what we said before, Jesus knows everything about every single one of us. Think of the woman at the well. Familiar story as everybody's traveling around Samaria, but Jesus chooses to go right through the middle of Samaria. 
it was not proper in those days for a man to be communicating with a woman that he doesn't know in a public place. But Jesus is thirsty. So he goes up to this woman and asks her to draw some water that he might get a drink. Well, this woman says, you know, you really shouldn't be talking to me. What's the situation here? You don't even know me. Jesus said, you're right. I don't know you, but I do know a few things about you. I know you've been married multiple times. And I know that the man you're living with right now isn't your husband. Kind of freaks you out when somebody just starts telling you facts about your life. And they've never met you before. And that's what we've got to understand. Just like Jesus knew the woman at the well. And just like Jesus knew Nathaniel. Jesus knows you. He knows the real you. He knows your struggles. He knows your faults. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your doubts. He knows your failures. And he still loves you. So many people in this world will only be your friend as long as you meet certain criteria in their life. But Jesus says, come as you are. You know, that's the beautiful thing. When Jesus says, follow me, he doesn't say, go get your life straightened out and then come follow me. Stop drinking and then come follow me. Stop practicing adultery and then come follow me. Stop dealing with these issues and then come follow me. Jesus simply says, follow me. There's not a list of conditions. Follow me. Because when you come to follow him, you'll find out that he does know everything about you. Things your family doesn't know. Things your friends don't know. Things the people in the church don't know about you. He knows them. And while if those people knew, it might turn them away, Jesus knows them and still says, I love you. And I want you to come and follow me. I want you to be with me. And I want you to share in a relationship with me. Now understand when he says that, he's not saying you're going to continue to live exactly the way you live. But what he's saying is once you come and follow me, you're going to see there's a better way. Because I offer grace and forgiveness and I can empower you to overcome any challenge, any sin, any weakness in your life. If you'll simply follow me. Well, in John 1.48... Nathaniel asked him, how do you know me? You know, I think that's a fair question. Jesus is telling things about himself, and Nathaniel says, how do you know me? We've never met. And Jesus said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Well, that almost sounds like something under a psychic network, doesn't it? Under the fig tree. Jesus is saying, I saw you sitting under a fig tree. You know, there were a lot of fig trees around in those days. That could have been an educated guess. But we know in Jesus' situation, he knew the facts. And here's something else that's interesting. The term under the fig tree was a euphemism in the Jewish culture. That meant, if somebody says, I'm going under the fig tree, they were saying, I'm going to sit and meditate on the scriptures. Rabbis all the time were known to be under the fig tree, sitting there in the shade, teaching those who were following them, meditating on the scripture. So if Josh ever tells you, his pastor, hey, y'all, I can't be with you right now, I'm under the fig tree, 
What he's telling you is he's off by himself studying the scripture. Jesus said, Nathaniel, I saw you. I know you're a person who knows the word of God. I know you're a person who understands the word of God. I know you're a person who is truly seeking God. And when he simply said, I saw you under the fig tree, I know that you're meditating on that scripture. Immediately in John 1.49, Nathaniel replies, Rabbi. He's just met him and he's calling him teacher. He is saying, you are a teacher. And then he says, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. What a tremendous statement of faith. To have just met Jesus. To simply have Jesus say one thing. I know you. I've seen you. And that's all it took. That's all it took for Nathaniel to say, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Now one little thing about Nathaniel here. When you see the list of disciples... You see Peter, Andrew, James, and John. You don't see Nathaniel. There's no Nathaniel listed in the original 12, the followers of Jesus. Well, there's a reason for that. Just as there's a guy called Simon. Andrew went and got Simon. And Simon was later called Peter. When he first came, he was known as Nathaniel. But when he left to follow Jesus, he was known as Bartholomew. So when you see the listing that says Bartholomew, that was Nathaniel. Kind of like my parents named me Daniel Keith. They call me Danny, Dan. Nobody calls me Keith. Maybe that's my spiritual name. Jesus calls me Keith. I don't know. But the point is, he followed Jesus. And he stayed with Jesus. And he made such a strong statement of faith right there at the very beginning. And Jesus responded to him. Because of Nathaniel's faith to immediately recognize who Jesus was. And to say, you are my teacher. You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. What greater things did Nathaniel get to see? Well, he got to see Jesus teaching the multitudes. He got to hear the Sermon on the Mount. He got to see Jesus heal the sick and the blind and the lame. He got to see lepers who had been cast out from their villages who were made clean and made whole and showed themselves to the priest and were reunited with their people once again. He got to see the feeding of multitudes, not just the feeding of the 5,000, but the feeding of 4,000 in another setting where miraculous things were done through the power of God. He got to see water turned into wine at the wedding feast in Cana. He got to see the resurrection of Lazarus. From the grave. And then finally he got to see. Jesus crucified. Placed in a tomb. And resurrected. So when Jesus said. You will see even greater things. Was Jesus joking? When you come and follow Jesus. You may come and follow him and say, I've just seen this answered prayer in my life that let me know he's real. I've felt him speak to me in this situation so that I know he's real. And it may start with some small act of faith on your part, but Jesus is going to say the same thing to you that he said to Nathaniel. Come follow me and you're going to see even greater things than this. 
There is so much more about God that we do not know and we do not understand. There is so much more about His power that we can't comprehend. And if we will follow with open hearts and open minds, it's amazing the ways that we will see God work in our lives. You know, a few years ago, I went through some difficult times. And in that process, we ended up leaving the church where we were. We ended up coming here to serve St. Clair Baptist Association. I had no way of knowing that two years after coming here to St. Clair County and getting this position, my mom was going to go through a stroke and some seizures and lose her entire memory. I had no way of knowing that was going to happen. I had no way of knowing that even when the doctor said she wasn't going to regain her memory, she did. We thought we were going to lose her about six weeks ago. And now she's at the village at Cook Springs. She went from the hospital to a rehab facility to another rehab facility to a nursing home. And then in the nursing home, she overcame every obstacle and every therapy they gave her. And she's now in assisted living. And she's completely regained her memory. Now, I'll tell you that story for one reason. I had no idea why God would be leading me to St. Clair County and having me have an office in Asheville and a home in Pell City. But God knew my mother was going to be coming to Cook Springs. God knew everything she was going to go through. And God was working behind the scenes that whole time to put me and my family where we needed to be to take care of my mom. And that's the providence of God. We can't even imagine the ways he is working, putting us where we need to be for the situations that are going to arise. He's always working. He's always planning. He's always preparing to have us where he wants us to be. So I have to remind myself, when I'm driving down the interstate, and all of a sudden there's three trucks side by side, and they're slowing traffic down, and I can't get around them, and I'm frustrated because i got a meeting to get to, i got to remind myself, you know what? God may align those trucks up for a reason. He's probably protecting me from an accident or a speeding ticket. So I just need to take a deep breath and calm down and trust in him. God is always working for the good of those who love him, to those who are called according to his purposes. So when he said, you will see greater things than this, he meant it. But he was specifically pointing to the next verse. In verse 51, he said, truly I tell you, You will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, only somebody who was familiar with the Old Testament scriptures would understand this. Because God was making a reference to Nathanael of what we find in Genesis chapter 28. And as members of Bethel Baptist Church, y'all should know this story. Because Genesis 28 takes place at a place called Bethel. And Bethel means... House of God. Jacob had left home. Jacob had lied. Jacob had lied to his father. He had cheated his brother. He was a despicable person. He did horrible things. And he had to flee for his life because his brother Esau wanted to kill him. But as Jacob gets to this place, God had promised he would bless him. And God had promised that he would turn him into a great nation. And God had promised him that his ancestors would be a great people. Despite his lifestyle, despite his choices, despite his deception. And as he's fleeing and he's out here at this place called Bethel, he lays down and puts his head on a rock as a pillow. Now that's a pretty rough place to be, isn't it? When the only pillow you have is a rock. 
But he uses that rock and lays his head on it as a pillow. And God gave him a vision that we call Jacob's Ladder. We used to sing a song when I was little in church. We are climbing Jacob's Ladder. We are climbing Jacob's Ladder. We don't climb Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder is the connection between heaven and earth. And what God was showing Jacob in Genesis 28 was despite what you've done, despite your lies, despite your deception, despite your cheating, I'm still going to minister to you. And God showed angels coming up and down the ladder, coming to minister to Jacob. And he showed himself as Lord, overlooking and protecting and providing for him. In Genesis 28, verses 16 and 17, in response to the vision that God showed him of this ladder, here's what Jacob said. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. What an awesome place this is. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Let that sink in. Jacob was a sinner. He was a cheater. He was a liar. He was a deceiver. And yet God came to him, searched him out, gave him this vision. And his response was, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. Now, you've just started this study on the book of John. And in John chapter 1, we've got the introduction that says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him, not anything was made that was made. It goes on to say that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it also says that even though He came unto His own, His own received Him not. They didn't even recognize who he was. Is it possible that Jesus is present in the world today and we simply don't see him? We don't recognize him. We don't recognize his power. We don't recognize his presence. But in this situation, Jacob said, I now know that God is real. And because of that, this is an awesome place. Because despite my sin, despite my cheating, despite my deception, God has sought me out and God has let me know that he loves me. And God has a plan and a purpose for me. This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And I love that word, the gate of heaven. Because how does Jesus refer to himself in the New Testament? The door or the gate to the sheep pen. Jesus said, there's no other way in except through me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Well, here's what this passage teaches us. Five simple things. First of all, Jesus invites people to follow him. He invites you to follow him. Jesus' invitation is to every person who has ever lived... As I said, it doesn't matter how far you've been. It doesn't matter what your lifestyle has been. It doesn't matter what sin you've committed. Your past doesn't matter. God loves you. He created you. He knows you. And he longs for a relationship with you. So when it says he invites people to follow him, he invites you to follow him. He invites your family, your children, your neighbors. But get this, he also invites the people that you hate. He invites everyone to come and follow him. But here's the second thing. Each person 
must come and see for themselves. Nobody can accept Jesus on your behalf. Your parents and grandparents may pray for your salvation. Your spouse may pray for your salvation. They may pray for you to follow Jesus, but they can't make the decision for you. The only way is for you to come and see Jesus for yourself. And I'm telling you, if you will come, if you will put your faith and trust in Him, if you will follow Him, He will reveal Himself to you in such a strong and powerful way, you'll know that He's real. And you'll know that He's alive. And you'll know that His Word is living and active. It's not just some dead history book. His Word is alive. And it will change our lives as we let it flow into our hearts and our minds. The third thing is this. I've said it many times today already. Jesus knows all about you and still invites you to follow. There's a whole lot of people. If they knew the secrets that you keep, they wouldn't want anything to do with you. But Jesus knows. And he still longs to have a relationship with you. The fourth thing. You'll come to know him as you follow him. When these guys first came to follow Jesus, they didn't know everything they needed to know. They had a lot to learn. And over the next three years, those disciples learned a lot. And they grew in their faith and their trust. Same thing for us. The longer we follow, the more we will learn. And finally this. Jesus is our connection between heaven and earth. This earth is going to pass away. But every single person here, every single person in the world is going to live forever. But you're going to live in one of two places. You're going to live in heaven, in the presence of the God who created you and loves you and longs for a relationship with you. Or you're going to end up in a place called hell, where you're going to be separated from God. It's not a pleasant place in any way. But Jesus extends the invitation to come and follow him. He's the gate. He's the door. He's the mediator. He's the connection between heaven and earth. And he invites you to follow him. He invites you to come and see for yourself that he is who he says he is. He is the son of God. He's not only the king of Israel. He's the king of every nation. He is the king of all the universe. He is the son of God. And today he's saying, I want you to follow me. Would you pray with me?